Welcome to Human, an Accenture podcast about workforce potential and the future of work. Welcome back. This is the second part of my interview with Yatunde Hoffman. Yatunde is an internationally certified integral development coach who specializes in leadership transformation, business transformation, and implementing change. She's a non-executive director sitting on boards across a variety of industry sectors, an international speaker, and author of the recently published book, Beyond Engagement. If you missed part one, you might like to go back and have a listen. And now, back to our conversation. I mentioned some of the Roffey Park research that, that spoke about, you know, the vast majority of respondents in that case study um, believing that love at work is important. Interestingly, in that same piece of research, 30% of the same group felt uncomfortable discussing the concept. So how do we enable leadership to become comfortable? How do we get them to practically put this into, into action? Well, you know, Brené Brown talks about this power in vulnerability in Chi-Chi. And I think there's something about helping leaders appreciate that being vulnerable is where your strength comes from. Um, and when I was, I've interviewed some leaders about love as well, and, and they would say, oh, you know, it's uncomfortable. And one of them said to me, he said, Yetunde, if I allowed myself to reflect and bring the whole notion of love into my organization, then I've got nowhere to go. It means I'm, I become naked and I cannot allow that. And I said, what do you mean by you become naked? He said, that means I'm vulnerable mm. and I have to be seen to lead. So I think this is, this is the point. I think we've got to help leaders appreciate that being vulnerable is okay. And you start by um, the discussion. You talk about it. The more you talk about something, then the less difficult it becomes. And it starts from the top, which is why I say it's the, it's the most leadership critical leadership capability. So it can be challenging, but you've got to talk about it. Why, why, why would we in our organization find it uncomfortable? Even having that as a topic starts to normalize it a little bit. And then, of course, exploring how come we're not the best organization we can be. What might be getting in the way? And could, if love were present, what difference could it potentially make? And sometimes, depending on the culture we're working in, talking about this in the third person or in another organization, what would we advise other businesses to do might be a nice way to gently and lovingly bring the notion of love into business so that we can be, we can be more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Then another way, for example, is to explore what it means to be truly human. For this podcast and this conversation we're having, Genghis, for me is absolutely wonderful. It's a great way to start because when our listeners engage with what we're talking about, they will explore it in their own businesses as well. It's sort of setting that example of being vulnerable so that others are then able to to be vulnerable. And I think some of the themes that, that I've come across, you know, when you look at some of the research around compassion in the workplace, that fear of vulnerability really comes through, especially from leadership, because they've got more to more to lose right there's that assumption that you know yes. the higher you go up the ladder the, the you know the, the tighter your tie has got to become yes absolutely. Um, <laughs> you know and, and there's also a little bit of I think what's that you know what 
some people like that sense of privacy, right? Some people like that professional sphere, personal mm-hmm. sphere. And, you know, we're, we're seeing those lines blur quite a lot. It, is this a pattern that you've noted through your work or through any of the, the sort of books that you've written, that, that desire for things to be compartmentalised? Absolutely. You know, in the book that I wrote, I interviewed over 40 senior business leaders and some of them were saying, well, Yutunde, I cannot bring, I cannot bring my personal life to work. I, it, keeps, it keeps me sane compartmentalizing both i've got to drive sales i've got to deal with with stakeholders i've got to deal with boards and and calling all kinds of locations across the world i want to go home and feel better but the the truth is this you are the same person at home that you are at work but i also believe this is where it becomes a bit contradictory if a person doesn't want to bring private stuff to the workplace then fine accept that Mm-hmm. Nobody should be forced to be different to who they want to be. But perhaps if certain ways of behaving is getting in the way of the results they want to create, for example, if a leader's behaving in a way that's getting in the way of making the very best, allowing the very best of their people to come forth, then that leader has a responsibility to look at how do I need to be to be, who do I need to be in order to bring the very best out of my people? So mm. it shows compassion, actually, to allow a, a leader or an individual to compartmentalize if that's what they want to do. But it also helps them to know that sometimes they might need to reposition if it's getting in the way of the results that they want to create. And the other point, Jengis, is this. A good um, yardstick or a good data point to look at is when an individual, regardless of whatever level they are in the organization, if they feel they're unable to speak up or to challenge or to say what they really want to say, that's the first start of them not being comfortable. And that's the first start of where acceptance may not be allowed, be mm. present. Mm. And that ties into loads of nuances when it comes to speak up ability and mm. and and the ability to speak truth to leadership um mm. more generally mm. we've we've touched on i think quite a few elements here around vulnerability starting from the top you know the concept of compassion as being contagious contagious isn't a great word to use <laughs> but, but sticky i don't know can we say sticky let's stick with contagious um and and it's really interesting cuz um Jeff Weiner, who's the CEO of LinkedIn, uh, gave a really insightful speech at the University of Pennsylvania. And he stated, managing compassionately is not just a better way to build a team, it's a better way to build a company. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting because in his story, Yatunde, he sort of became awake to the power of love in the workplace through his supervisor, if you like. So he came and joined as well, he was assuming the position of interim CEO and he was working alongside his former CEO, Reid Hoffman. Mm. And in his speech, Jeff said that he saw compassion in action because Reid had sort of stepped away for much of mm. the first few months that Jeff mm. had assumed his position. And that was so that Jeff could build his own connections and really grow into his role while mm. still being present to support when needed. So he was invested in making Jeff's role a success. Mm. And that experience of compassion is what Jeff is saying has in turn made him aspire to become more compassionate as a leader himself. And I think in that speech, he says, my advice to my 22 year old self is to lead more with compassion. 
Um, it, it really, it really is contagious, right? It is. Um, it is. I, I wish he had said my, uh, I, my advice to my twenty-two-year-old self is to lead from a place of love. <laughs> yes, we'll get, we're getting there. We'll get there with Jeff. <laughs> Um, okay but you know for those for those who are you know maybe naturally a little bit more cynical about um compassion or dare I say culture and love more generally this we're not saying this means you can't be professional we're not saying that there isn't a, a line that you don't cross we're not saying that you can't maintain a level of privacy um and we're not saying that you can't make difficult business decisions either because Certainly, when you get to sort of senior leadership level, making difficult, hard decisions that sometimes affect people negatively is a reality that we've got to face into. So how might we help those who are listening to this podcast, who are leaders, who want to demonstrate compassion in the workplace, who want to lead with love? How might we advise them to do so during difficult times, whether it's a reorg, whether they're looking at um cost-cutting program that means that the workforce needs to be resized how can they demonstrate this sense of love and compassion and, and a truly human culture while still making the right decision for the business do you know Jengis, i mean i've driven change and been on the receiving end of change all my life and to date in the many years i've lived so far i've not heard one person say wow, thank you so much to my leaders that they, they left it till this time to give me that bad news. I'm so glad they took so long to tell me. It's always, I wish I'd known. I wish I'd been involved. And yet leaders always hold back giving bad news or sharing communication that's important for their people. So actually love is very tough. It's very, very tough. And, and when, you, when you come from a place of love, then you would actually instill in yourself and well up the courage, build up the courage to have those difficult conversations that are good for both the individual and the business. And I'll tell you a little story. When I was um, doing my interviews for for my book, um, a a leader working in a very, very competitive industry and very tough um, with with centers across the world said to me, he said, Yitunde, you know, the more I think about this, if I was really coming from a place of love. He said, I'm going to be self-critical here. Um, When I'm preparing something for my board and for our headquarters, uh, and I've delegated some of the components of what I want to present to my team, when when my sales leader, when he brings something to me um, that I'm unhappy about, rather than tell him I I delegate it to somebody else or I do it myself because I want to save time. I really need to save time. And he said, but... When I think about it, if I was coming from a place of love and a genuine place of wanting him to win and seeing him as more than a means to my end, you know, he said, I would take the time to coach him and help him understand why what he's done isn't quite meeting the needs that I believe are right for the organization of that particular project. Mm. And therein lies the answer. Demonstrating love at work in in, in difficult times is not an easy thing to do, but it means being selfless, not selfish. It means seeing through the person's behavior to the individual and being able 
to separate those two. You can show love and compassion to somebody, for example, who's no longer suitable for a role, but recognizing that their value is more than just their job. I interviewed another person in a global retail organization that said, look, Yutunde, when we've gone through change, I've actually helped two or three of the people that I value the most, the high potentials in my organization, find jobs elsewhere. Not because I've, I have to, but because I want to, because I want them to be successful. Those people have families. They have individuals that they're responsible for. And I think it serves my organization and me well when we do that. Mm-hmm. So love can be, it's, it, it's not easy. It can be tough, but it's the right thing to do. And in fact, it's in difficult times that compassion is needed most. And compassion is a feature of love. Completely agree. And, and I think that sense of being brave i think comes into play here as well right and 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 doing the right thing for the person i would you know you'd want to know wouldn't you if 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 something wasn't working out for the business sooner rather than later that sense of early engagement Mm -hmm. so it's not it's not something that operates in the abstract is what we're saying it's very much you know you can very much take learnings from love and compassion into the the difficult big decisions that you need to make that do impact people Jengus, you know, I've, I've, <laughs> there was a time uh, not too long ago where um, an organization that, that I, I, I know quite well, uh, very well, actually, I work with them, was talking about how um, they want to make some changes. They're, they're doing some big, leading a big project. But one of the key persons in this project, they, they're not happy with his performance. They, they really need to find a way to let him go and so on and so forth. But, hmm. But we don't want to tell him now because we don't want to destabilize him uh, because we've got to make sure that the project is delivered well. Now, the the selfishness in that conversation is you're happy for this person to, to be underperforming, but he's performing at a level that means you can keep the project going. But you're intending to terminate him at the end of that project. How can that be coming from a place of love? So my challenge to them is, well, if you know that the restructure is going to happen and you involve him and you help him understand, and we really, really mean that we care and we come from that place, he'll get it. And and even if he takes it badly for the first few days, at the end of the day, he will respect the fact that he's been there's been an honesty and the compassion and the kindness in the conversation. And he's not going to thank you for leaving it so late. In mm. fact, he's more likely to thank you and us for having the conversation now, but saying, how can we work with you? What's the best way to support you? And this is what we would love from you until such time. Let's work on this together. That's valuing the individual. That's valuing the person. If you and your teams are interested in the latest thinking on enterprise agility, I recommend another one of our Accenture podcasts, Talking Agility. This series takes an in-depth look at enterprise agility from every angle and is hosted by my friend and colleague, Elitza Necheva. Elitza's guests are leading experts on this topic and they join her from around the globe in candid conversation. Talking Agility is now in its second season and can be found at accenture.com forward slash talking agility or on your favourite podcast channel. In many cases, in, in the context of a, a restructure or 
you know, redesigning how the team works or is, organizations would look to reskill the person in a different area. And I think coming from a place of compassion would make the person perhaps more open to change as well and, and not feel that this is something that is happening to them because of them. W- would you agree? Absolutely, Janice. You know, we're talking about the future of work. We know that jobs and organizations are going to change, you know, uh, the jobs there'll be more jobs demanded in the future than they are today but they'll be different and a lot of businesses worldwide they do they must know that there are implications for their people and we should be investing now if we're coming from a place of love a place where we say our people are more than just a means to an end they're more than just another notch of market share our people are so much more than that They'll be investing in reskilling programs, enabling people to become more self-sufficient, learning new, diff- learning different things, um, seeking help, help outside of the organization. But they're not doing that. And we know that. Plus, we're living longer. So we, we would read from business schools. I mean, um, Linda Gratton wrote a book not too long ago called The 100-Year Life, where she's telling us and sharing with us her research based on the fact that we're living longer, which means that individuals and employees, we've got to keep reskilling and learning and reskilling and learning ourselves. And organizations who come from a place of love have an obligation to help their employees reskill and learn and be prepared for the future of work right across the professions and a vested interest in doing so with compassion it seems right so it's a fascinating area for me and in so much so that we're actually dedicating an episode later in the series that specifically looks at how to be human during inhumane times so i'm really keen to really keen to dive into that topic in a bit more detail and and flesh out some of those difficult scenarios where we're trying to apply this methodology um Thank you, Yutunde. We've spoken a lot about what the power of love is from a Mm. a business value perspective, whether it's a more committed workforce, whether Mm. it allows um, people to unite against a common purpose, whether that's a Mm. business purpose or for the purpose of inclusion across employee Mm. networks. Mm. We've spoken a little bit about how to overcome that feeling of fear um, and the things that leaders can do to... Mm begin to spread compassion within the workforce. Mm. I now wanted to ask you if you'd be happy to share a personal experience, perhaps where love and compassion from either a leader or a colleague has made a positive impact on you personally. Yes, of course. You know, when I was thinking about it, I thought I had actually (laughs) more examples of when I haven't experienced it than examples of where I have. And one could argue, and I could argue that actually it's it's probably a lot of the, the negative experiences that I've had that have uh, compelled me to to really see how love can is actually the answer. And it's love from um, a, a love for oneself, that self-acceptance as well as accepting other people. That's absolutely key. And when I think of people that have have mental health problems that you can't see, but they're dealing with stress, uh, anxiety, but it's not showing on their faces, but they can't speak up how important that is. But the, the, the example I would draw, though, um, is probably one that maybe potentially many people might be able to relate to. Um, in my executive career, I had a, what I would call an opportunity for a career limiting experience. Um, I was going to be giving a presentation to a global 
conference of my company that I was working in then. I was a senior leader in that company. And uh, our CEO was um, leaving shortly after that presentation, after that event, that conference. And so he had absolutely um, no interest, no invested interest in having me uh, feel better, no matter how I did in my presentation. So the whole room was full, full. And I had to give a presentation on a new initiative, a tool I was bringing in for the leaders to use in assessing their direct reports. And this is an organization that was very family oriented. Uh, they, everybody did well. They did really love to deal with bad news. And I was bringing a tool that was saying we need to look at having good discussions around performance and potential. And you may need to, to understand where your people are according to their performance and potential. So I got up, I stood on the stage, and I could see this sea of faces in front of me. And Jengis, I froze. And I all my life just flashed past me in a few seconds. And I began to appreciate I hadn't quite done enough stakeholder management. Had I done a pilot? What about the results of my pilot? And I was going to launch this tool in this presentation. So anyway, in one word, two words, I screwed it up. <laughs> screwed it up completely. It went down like a lead balloon. I had the pity clap at the end of my talk. Um, I left, you know, when you just, the, the, the blood drains from your, your face, your head, all the way down. So anyway, afterwards, feeling so bad, really bad. I was in the bar area just sat down with colleagues, feeling so bad. And this CEO walked back and forth, back and forth, and he came to me, everybody applauding him. He'd been in the company a long time. He came to me and said, Yutunde. I, I looked at him and he said, Yutunde, sometimes we all screw up. I've screwed up as well, many times. But I tell you something, you'll be back on your feet because you're a star. I know you're a star. You're a class act. That was nothing. If they didn't like it, tough. You're a star. You're going to be a star. Believe me. I know it. Uh, and when somebody tells you that, they can see you're feeling down. And somebody who doesn't have to goes out of their way to come and tell you that. I was walking on air. So for me, love is actually sometimes going out of your way to help another colleague understand that, okay, don't sugarcoat it. Don't say you did great when you didn't. Acknowledge that, but build them up and encourage them. And I'll never forget that experience for as long as I live. It's clear. Thank you so much for sharing that. And um, I've, I've had very similar experiences, actually. So um, it's definitely something that resonates with me. And, and I imagine, as you've just said, it's it's something that you're kind of eternally grateful for, I guess. And, and, yeah. and bear in mind when you have similar presentations, and I'm sure that you know, the important part there is that demonstration of compassion, but you also presumably would go and work with that person again in a heartbeat, no, if, if, if you needed to. Um, mm. So yeah, I, I had a, I have a similar experience, actually. I am somebody who has struggled with my mental health growing up and mm. um, I, I, I like to think I have a good work ethic. And there was a particular period where I was very concerned that I was going to start to crack at work. You know, I was dealing with some personal things. Um, I'm very concerned that that my work would suffer as a result. 
Um, and I was in the elevator at one of the um, offices of the client that I was working with um, and a senior uh, managing director from, from Accenture was in there and he just asked me if I was okay. Um, and I just did not have the energy to tailor my response in any sort of way. And I'm not sure it's the kind of elevator pitch we, uh, we tend to talk about, right? But, um, but I, I just said, I was like, you know, to be honest, I'm not, I'm not doing okay right now. And I'm worried that it's going to affect my client work. Um, and he just said, it was, he didn't say a lot, but it was just impactful what he did said. He just said, you know, Jengiz, if there's anything I can do, I'll make it happen. You just let me know how I can help. If you need to rest, if we need to find somebody else to come in and, and, and pick this up for a few days and just take some time off, we'll make it happen. You just let me know. And in the space of about, 20 seconds going from floor, like the ground floor to the fifth floor, I was just, it just took such relief off of my shoulders, right? Because I was, I was no longer worried about having to think about that too much with my leadership team. Um, and it was just a very open human experience for me. And that compassion, you know, it meant that I was able to walk away, maybe treating myself a bit more kindly, um, mm. but also... I just felt that I was able to go into work the week after and just feel a bit stronger. Like I could do more. Mm. Um, so yeah, so, so I, I've, I've seen it work as well. And I think it, it just ties into everything that you've said, right. About the vulnerability leader driven, it being, um, something that's, that's contagious that you want to help other people as well as a result. Absolutely. Do you know, Jengis, if, if we had love, if we had love, in organization and in organizations across the world. And no matter where, how big or small the organization is, we could actually, the sustainable development goals that all the United Nations are trying to hit by 2030 will be hit much faster because we're talking about eradicating inequality. We're talking about eradicating poverty. We're talking about halting climate change. Think about it. If, if organizations, businesses, individuals, and communities came from that place of love, most of that would be much less needed. And in fact, I would go as far as to say that the concept of war ultimately would be lost because the human being will be working to ensure the other human being is successful. So Yutunde, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us today. I know that I've learned a lot with you um, and I'm hoping that we can um, catch up soon and perhaps you can help um, share some more wisdom and some of the other topics that we'll be discussing on the Human Podcast. I know that your book Beyond Engagement will be published in May and there might be an opportunity to get some pre-orders in Amazon. Um, and just thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much, Jengis. I really appreciate it. We have a whole season of the podcast planned where we'll examine the future of work and what it means to be truly human. Like, comment, subscribe, share. I'm Jengis Bessim. Thank you for listening.